Hey Marlboro Softball, Scott Seidenberg here. Another episode of Marlboro Softball Talk. We are a week away from opening day of the 2021 season. I know there are scrimmages scheduled for this Sunday, but if the weather doesn't cooperate, those could get washed out. So hopefully you guys are planning some BP sessions or maybe some scrimmages during the week and just getting ready for opening day because I know everyone's excited to start the season. I'm very excited to start the season. And with the start of the season about a week away, this is the perfect time to bring on my guest today, who will be on this podcast several times throughout the season, as we regularly update the Pollock Power Rankings. Now, for those not familiar with the Pollock Power Rankings, Mitch Pollock has been doing a blog for Marlboro Softball way before this podcast started. And when I started this podcast last season, I felt that it was a necessity to bring Mitch on as a recurring guest because Mitch would do the power rankings every so often throughout the season. And I felt that this is a great episode topic to get into multiple times throughout the season because the power rankings adjust. So this episode is the preseason Pollock Power Rankings. Let me introduce Mitch Pollock, my guest for this episode. Mitch, thanks so much for doing this. And why don't you give us a little background for some of the new listeners as to when you started doing the Pollock Power Rankings? Uh, well, I've, I've always loved the, doing the statistics for the league. And so when I started the blog, I would say I started the blog around 2010, 2011. I don't even remember the exact year. But uh, I had a lot of time on my hands. I had a part-time job at Barnes & Noble, and I needed something to do with my downtime. And uh, I love lists. I love ranking teams. So I figured it was a great way to talk about the league by doing the power rankings. Yeah, and I love it. And that's why we have you on multiple times throughout the season, because we're going to keep updating the power rankings uh, as we get more games under our belt. But here we have the preseason power rankings, which really is based off of the draft and where you think teams are going to start the season. Not where you think they're going to end, where you think they're going to start, right? Uh, yeah, for the most part. You know, it's tough because, like, there are certain teams, like, uh, getting right into talking about these teams, but, like, Lapine, who, like, all teams really, a lot of people really love. And uh, I left them off the list, not just because, uh, not just because Carroll is going to miss the first playoff week, but because... There were a bunch of teams I liked right around that 8th, ninth, 10th spot. I figured that was going to be a deciding factor there. But, yeah, for the most part, it's it's based on how I like the team on paper. All right, well, let's start with number 9 on the list. And who is your number 9 ranked team in the preseason power rankings? Number 9, I think is going to be a surprise for some, is uh, Team Harris. I actually like Team Harris after the draft. Okay, why 9? Uh, ninth because like, all right. So like, to be ninth, you don't have to be a 15 win team. You know, you're right around 12 and 10. So I don't know if Harris is going to be a great team, but I really do like their, the veterans that they have at the top with Callow and Bykovsky. Uh, you know, I look at the key positions. They got a great shortstop at Gluck. They have great outfielders in Callow and Bykovsky. Mike Seidel is a very good pitcher. Uh, I think Kushner is a very good power hitter. You know, I haven't seen him play in four or five years or however long it's been, but he's a good bat there. I think their rookie, uh, Ragreich, I like, I don't know if I'm butchering his name, but I liked him uh, watching his video, his trial video. I think mm-hmm. he could be a strong rookie. So there's enough to like there that I think 
you know, they, they could be a, a 13 and nine team. Let's move on to number eight. Who do we have at number eight? All right. Number eight, we have Goldfarb. And, uh, you know, looking at Goldfarb's draft, it's a little bit of a, of a different draft than they have. You know, I'm used to seeing one of Alex's friends at the top. <laughs> so this is <laughs> it's a little bit older. But uh, first off, like Perigene, uh, one of my favorite teammates ever. You know, last year was the first year I got to play with Joe. And, uh, you know, when we were when we were down uh, in the semifinals, a lot of us didn't have good series, but Perigene was phenomenal. So, uh you know, I think he's going to be a great leader for that team. Yeah, and well, they have a lot of offense on that team as well. Guys that can absolutely rake in Denapoli, Cordy, and Pargament as well. Yeah, and I remember last year, uh, that was that was a glaring weakness. You know, you looked at the draft, and I, I think I remember they only had like one guy who batted 400 the year before. So, and uh, I think that it played itself out that way. So it looks like Goldfarb made some corrections there. But just as I said with Harris, uh, they have a great pitcher. They have a great left center fielder. Uh, they got Ryan to uh, pump up the team, and he's, re- he's really good uh, as a bottom-of-the-draft uh, pick. So I think they're going to have a good year. All right, let's keep moving down the list. Number seven on the preseason power rankings. We got Farisi. Farisi, number seven. Cowboy and, Mike, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because uh, – when, when I did a captain's poll, I remember thinking, uh, oh, wow, Farisi's getting a lot of uh, early buzz. And, you know, I, I was telling him about this. And, and then I looked and it was only like two captains who had him in the top five. <laughs> I'm, I, I guess I'm, uh, I'm not used to Farisi getting a lot of love preseason that, uh, that it stood out. Uh, but uh, I think Jessica, I, I was going to write, you know, when, when it's published, uh, he's like the G.J. LeMahieu <laughs> of the league. You know, he could do he could play any position in the infield. And he's going to have to step up as the shortstop for this team. Uh, but he's a great line drive hitter. Uh, Evan Rosenthal might have a quiet uh, social media presence, but he's going to put up big numbers. I think if there's anything missing is that they might be one player short defensively. Uh, but again, I think they're, I think, uh, Mike's going to improve as a pitcher. I, I see them having a good year. Yeah. And Brock Orr is just, he's a professional hitter. So every know. year, <laughs> I know he's, you know, DJ LeMay, here's the machine, but like Brock Orr is the machine offensively. Yeah. It's just Seriously. line drives. <laughs> I don't think we ever get him out. I, I should do a statistical study of that. I think he bats 800 against <laughs> our team. Oh, we'll get, we'll get to some stats. Trust me. Cause my favorite part of having you on before the season is getting some of the stats out of the way. Nice. Uh, but let's keep the power rankings going. Team number six. That's you. I was, you know what? I was waiting to see. I was, I was hoping that I would be on your list, but I was waiting to see how high and <laughs> I didn't want to be too high, but I also <laughs> didn't want to be like eight or nine. So I think like seven or six is a, is a good spot. All right. Tell me why six. All right. Well, as you know, as um, I should say this as a as a warning that you know that I think power is a little overrated in the league, but that being said, uh, you got a lot of power. You know, between you and Brock, and obviously Fracken, I, I've heard that guy Fracken him hit a few home runs. Yeah, he's good uh, now and then. So the all time uh, leader in Marlboro softball home runs, by the way. Yeah, and without with missing a couple of seasons, like if you start at 2010, I mean, he missed a season mm-hmm. in that decade, and he gets walked all the time, and yet he's still, you know, by far the leader. A uh, lot of power, obviously, and uh, you know, Darren Kay, you know, I, I know he's in other leagues, so um, 
you know, people have seen him more frequently than I have, but he was the best defensive shortstop, you know, when, when he last played at Marlboro. And even if he uh, lost a little bit of a step, if, you know, he's older, he's still going to be one of the best. So, you know, that's why I really like your team. Uh, and you got I Dave Meyer. Appreciate the kind words. Yes, and I got Skinny Meyer. So Skinny now, Meyer you, is a big steal of the draft. Now, is he going to bat leadoff for you? Can you give that information yet? I will prob- probably not. I'll give you the information. He's not batting leadoff for me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. There's the information. He is not batting leadoff for me. <laughs> <laughs> he, but he's a great guy. He's he's a phenomenal. Love him. One of my favorite teammates. Let's move. Shout on. out to Dave Meyer. Let's move on to number five. Who's number five on the preseason power rankings? We got LaRocca, Team LaRocca. I like Frank's team a lot. I love Frank's team, and uh, I know Saglietta, like every say, like every year there's a storyline that just develops preseason. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like one of the big storylines is that Saglietta is going to be an MVP candidate uh, based on his fall league performance. And uh, if, if he lives up to that, then this is a great team. Yeah. Uh, and then I think – Santa Marita, when he learns how to really control his swing and be a softball player, will be mm-hmm. a top five player in this league. Right, and even if even if he's average offensively, uh, Jay Z in the fifth round, I think, is one of the biggest deals in the draft. And he was a top fifteen offensive player. I know he's first base only. Uh, it's just a phenomenal pick, I think, because they they need that. Because if the second round pick. Uh, is only, I put in quotes, like only the best outfielder in the league because people say he's one of the best outfielders in the league already. But even if he's only uh, that, if he's just average offensively, you know, they needed a pick like Jay-Z to balance out that offense. All right, let's move on. Number four in the preseason power rankings is who? It's us, Team Pollock. I was waiting for it. I was waiting to see where you put yourself. Okay. You, it's give it's me, always give, tough. Give, give me the reasoning. Why Why four? And not and not number one, right? Well, I was going to say, not behind my team, but okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, all right. So, uh, love our flexibility. A uh, lot of years, uh, you know, I don't want to say we get in trouble when we're we're missing a guy here and there, but... Uh, we could, we have five or six really good outfielders. We have extra infielders. So I think what that does, it, it kind of guarantees that we're going to have, I shouldn't say anything's a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we can delete this. And uh, <laughs> uh, it guarantees that we're going to have a, a really good regular season. I see ourselves having a good regular season because of that. Uh, we're strong up and down the lineup. Uh I know that, uh, you know, like the preseason write-up says there's not one guy who's really dangerous, but we do have a couple of guys who can put the ball over the fence, uh, even if it doesn't happen every other at-bat. So I do think we have a few dangerous bats, uh, but really we have a lot of out, we have a lot of uh, lineup depth. Uh, we may not have uh, like a gold glover in the outfield, but once again, we have four or five guys who just catch the ball all the time and uh, – don't throw the ball around, mm-hmm. which I think is really important. So I think we're going to just play and, sound. And I will say Matt is a, is an improving pitcher every single year. So, Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention him. Yeah, that's, that's going to help. <laughs> uh, let's go top three here. Number three on the power rankings. All right. We got Marone. Marone is number three. Okay. And, and I want to say, like, through a couple of uh, rough drafts of this, I had one draft where, this, where they were the top team. Uh, but I did put them at number three. Uh, let me tell you, we have a rule, Matt and I, that we don't 
draft rookies in the first two rounds. But uh, if if Martino was going to be off the board, uh, Caputo was our pick. Stud. And uh, just unbelievable. And, and, you know, like that's one of the differences, too, like because of the fall league, you know, like, yeah, there's always a risk taking a rookie. But when you can see a, a guy play over the course of a month and a half, two months, it's less of a risk. Uh, yeah, he's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Uh, Dynov is a dynamic defensive player who I think is going to keep improving offensively. And, uh, you know, we played with Zach Kane, who, uh, you know, didn't have a great regular season, but he did a lot better in the playoffs and he's in great shape. I think Zach Kane is a strong candidate for most improved player and he's going to give them a boost at the bottom of the lineup. And of course, Glenn's a great pitcher. So, you know, I like the team a lot. And look good power when you have Caputo and then Doc back to back in the lineup. So that's definitely right. a scary combination there. All right, we're down to the top two. Um, curious to see where you're going here because I think I I think I can guess, but give me give me number two. All right, number two is uh Wallman. So I'm going. I know uh, they've been cursed. One. Right, they've been cursed with being uh, the number one team on a lot of people's list. You know. Maybe tongue in cheek, having them predicted uh, twenty and two, I think, in, in, in that uh, preseason write up. But uh, you know, the storyline is this: is that it's like last year. Like last year, everyone loved Woman, all right, and they did have a good. They had some defensive things that they had to work out, but once they did, they were a top team. And of course, anything happens in the playoffs, and you know, their playoff run, you know, got sh- shorter than what they would have liked, but they're last year's team with a, with a stronger defensive shortstop. Okay. Is how I put it. And, uh, like as far as, I guess like when I have Wallman number two, I guess you have to start thinking about, well, why aren't they number one? You know, yes. like it's, it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the storyline. Uh, they're not young. Okay. They're, they're one of the oldest teams in the league. Uh, even though I think speed can sometimes be, overrated uh there is truth to warning guys who can fly around the bases a little bit uh will it cost them it might cost our team too because we're not the youngest either so that could be a strike against us so um i think that's like the one thing that the team is missing is is speed you got a couple of older guys in key positions so you just wonder you know are they going to tail off a little bit and they're a great team but as far as why aren't they number one? Why are they number two? I think that might be one reason. You know, that is one reason why I have them at number two. And so who is the number one team in the preseason power rankings then? Number one, we got our defending champions, Team Steinberg. I guess to to be the best, you got to beat the best, right? Yeah, and uh, as far as uh, some statistics to throw out there, uh, you know, I took a look at all the championship teams since 2010, and – there are three teams that brought back uh, seven members of the championship team the following year, and all three of those teams won at least 16 games. Wow. So we and, pencil in Steinberg for 16 wins right now. Pencil them in. And not only that, but no other team, no other championship team was able to bring back you know, the first four round draft picks. So that's uncharted territory too. So it's not not only are they bringing back seven guys, but they're bringing back some key members. And you know, just as Wallman, like with Team Wallman, we talked about how this year it's last year's great team, but with an upgrade at shortstop. Yeah. Like what we have with Steinberg is 
you have last year's team that won the championship. And by the way, they didn't win the championship and go 10 and 13 in the regular season. They had a great regular season too. Yep. But so it's last year's team plus a solid pitcher, a better pitcher. So, you know, I think that's what makes their team even better this year. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. Like, they were the best team all season last year. Their defense was incredible, and they're going to have the same defense this year. So uh, you, you mentioned it, top four picks coming back. That's the reason why, hey, you, you, know, you want to win the championship, you got to beat the champs. So we'll see if Steinberg can repeat. Uh, speaking of repeats, doesn't mm. happen often. And we saw it with Apple a couple of years ago, but that's kind of rare, right? That's rare. I think the last the time before that is was uh, ninety four. I think it was like ninety four and ninety five. It might have been ninety three and ninety four. Nineteen ninety four was involved. <laughs> Whether it was ninety three, ninety four, ninety four, ninety five, and uh, I have to admit, I'm, I'm even blanking on uh, which team last did it. And then you have Apple, who did it a couple of years ago, winning back to back titles. So. Steinberg looking to uh, – and Steinberg was the first rookie captain to win a title or second rookie captain to win a title last year? My brother. My brother did it in 2011. Okay. So, so uh, he did it. And uh, I want to say like a little bit of an asterisk with my brother because uh, for a while uh, he was like a co-captain with uh, Team Dupuis. Okay. With John Dupuis. But uh, no, still technically he was a rookie captain in 2011. So – uh, Steinberg, and the thing that gets over that gets overlooked sometimes when you look at teams on paper, are you know how these teams are going to be managed, you know. And I think one of the things that Steinberg proved last year is that he's a great captain. Uh, you know, if there's any uh, you know any turmoil that might be going on in the team, uh, he diffuses it, you know. And uh, because they went through a decent amount last year, yeah. You know, with the change of pitcher and and what to do with that. So, uh, you know, they did a great job. So I think that gets overlooked sometimes. And Steinberg proved that he's a great captain. And I think at the beginning of the season also, defensively, didn't they have Eric Bombenblit in the outfield and then Richie at short? And then they obviously moved and put Eric back at short and then Richie at second. And look at what it did. They were best middle infield in the league. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is a plug. In 2011, it's funny because you're talking about the only rookie captains to uh, – win the championship we had my brother ross who a lot of people have played with but a lot of people new to the league don't know that our, we have another brother ross who's going to come back in the league hopefully in a couple of years he was shortstop for most of the season and then we for the playoffs we put brock at brock Hoare at shortstop moved ross to second base and we did that for the playoffs and won the championship so you know it's it's never too late to, to switch it up yep all right, before we get to more stats, because I love it when we can, you know, try to predict who's going to win based on uh, historical outcomes, uh, if you will. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the teams that didn't make the top nine. Uh, you mentioned Lapine as being a team that was hovering right around there with Harris at nine. Who else was under consideration right around that 9, 10, 11 mark that could have crept into the power rankings? Uh, I like Conti. I like Conti's team. I think they could be a, a song a sleeper team. Again, as far as uh, I don't know how he is as a captain, but I know his softball IQ is really, really high. So I think that's going to help them out. I think he's going to be a really good captain. I've heard reports that DeLuise has been crushing the ball. Mm. Uh, so if they can get someone like DeLuise to step up off offensively like that, uh, I think they're right around that power ranking list. And the other rookie captain I think is going to do a great job is Kessler. 
And, uh, like, I don't know who's handling the pitching duties for that team, but when I play with uh, uh, Kessler in the fall league, I mean, both he and his dad were great, but uh, I was surprised by how good Ken uh, Ben was uh, as a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, stayed in the strike zone and really good defensively. Uh, so I think their infield defense might be an issue, uh, but if they can figure that out, I think they're an underrated team as well. All right, did we go through the – the historical outcomes to break down who has the best chance to win the title this year. Let's do it. Okay. Give it, give, this is my favorite part because I love this because it doesn't mean anything, but it means <laughs> it's everything. <laughs> it's so much fun. Right. So just to repeat, for those who don't remember, there were, and of course there are exceptions to the rule, but there were three, uh, three uh, categories that could predict uh, who will win the championship. So, uh, if you can go down that checklist, you can kind of narrow down the field. So the first rule, which is really striking, is that not since 2010 has a rookie drafted in the first three rounds been on a championship team. So it ha- all right. So since so we're talking about since 2010, and this yes. is as far as we're going back. No, mm-hmm. no championship team has had a rookie drafted in the top three rounds. Correct. So Polzer was the last rookie, and he was drafted in the third round, 2010. Since then, no rookie in the first three rounds has been on the championship team. Okay, so we're knocking, so we're eliminating uh, Marone if we want to count Caputo as a rookie. So Marone, Pingaro took Ortiz, uh, Mm -hmm. Goddard took Leonardi and Santagate, Larocca with Santa Marita in the second round. And then do we count Jordan Priest as a rookie for Drashinsky? I wouldn't because he played so many years in the league. I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not counting him as a rookie. I think there was another team, too, that had a rookie near there, maybe. Well, me, Darren that, K in the fourth is not a rookie. Darren K in the fourth. And we can – and just for fun, I know, like, the rule is – the steadfast rule is no rookie in the top three. But you're going to see that uh, because some of these other categories, we can't eliminate that many teams. Okay. So if we extend it to the first four rounds – Let's lock. Let's knock uh, Demarco out too. Demarco because they got Woody, Woody in the, in the fourth. fourth round. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we're eliminating those. Okay. What's the next rule? All right. The next rule is very rarely are uh, are players on back to back championship teams. Okay. Back to back champions. Uh, last year, did Steinberg have a back to back champion or no? Last year, I have to check. I don't think so. No, I don't think they did. All right, so are we eliminating the entire Steinberg team now from going back to back? But that's the right, and but the thing is, we can't eliminate too many teams because Steinberg took—they're not spread out on other teams uh-huh, because Steinberg took so many members. So we can eliminate. We have here. Uh, we can eliminate obviously Steinberg, Conti, and Lapine. That's it. Those are the only additional teams. And, and Goddard. And Goddard, but we've already eliminated him. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And Goddard, too. So those are the only additional teams we can eliminate because of that. Okay. Uh, number three, historical rule. All right. This one is a little tougher to predict preseason, but usually, almost always, they're in the top eight. Well, or nine in this case. Eight when it was the top 16 teams. Top nine now that we have the top 18 teams. But anyway, top half, I'll say. The top half in runs scored. So the top half in runs scored. So what I did was just went on that list that uh, Doug put for the top averages, the top predicted batting averages in the league. And so this is the one that Steinberg 
Sonberg, I think, was actually in the lower half in runs scored last year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they so that's the, the rule. Yep, they defy the rule. There, I should make sure of that. Uh, but this year, we can eliminate Jashinsky, Lombardi, Goldfarb, Farisi, and Pulzer because of that. This is just based on the batting average predictions. Batting average predictions. Yeah, because we, 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 we don't know yet, obviously, what the production is going to be. Okay, right. so so who's left then? <laughs> what are we left with here? We got our team, of course, Pollock, Team Pollock. Okay. okay. Uh, team Wallman. Pollock, Wallman, okay. Harris. Harris. Kessler. Kessler. And you. And me. So one, two, three, four, five teams. All right. Five teams. Is there mm-hmm. is there anything else that can narrow the field down? Preseason, no. But I'll say this is shocking that no team has ever entered the playoffs on a winning streak. No championship team has ever entered the playoffs on a winning streak. Correct. That's so wild. it's crazy. So yet no team and most teams, I, most teams entered actually losing. Their last game yeah, of the season. Stein, yeah, Steinberg lost their last game of the season last year. Yep. That's what cost them being the number one seed. Yeah, I would say out of like we're talking like nine out of eleven times or eight out of eleven times, the team that won the championship happened to have lost the last game of the regular season. Wow. So you might yeah. ha- you might just have to toss that game on purpose just to <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll have to revisit this. Yeah. But uh yeah, I thought I thought that's a crazy stat. All right. Uh, any other stats before I let you go here? Uh, you know, going by the again, going okay. So a couple of things that people talked about, I've heard is that oh, there are no easy, easy outs this year as far as like teams go. It's pretty, pretty even, and a lot of captains did a great job. But I just feel like uh, just looking at the list, there's always at least three teams that have eight or fewer wins. In the season, or like in last year's case, uh, you know, because it was a shortened season, uh, they there were three teams that had a winning percentage that was below three sixty five, mm-hmm. which is the equivalent of an eight and fourteen season. So that's just something to look out for. Is that even though we think that you know all captains did a great job, there are going to be teams that are just going to go six and sixteen. It's yeah, it just happens. I mean, I yeah. don't, I, I don't see it. I mean, I, I look at every team in the league. I look at all the drafts, and I. I mean, I think everyone is going to win ten games. You know, ten and twelve. Right. You know, it's going to be a last place record. But yeah, okay. and you look and you look at the preseason uh, write ups, and you you know you see those predictions. Almost mm-hmm. every team is predicted to have, and that's also like we don't want to say anything too negative about the teams. But uh, so that's one. But here's a stat: is that last year, you know, talking about again uh, home runs being overrated i think uh last year the team that hit the most home runs had eight wins and the team that hit the fewest home runs won 10 wins so it's just i think like every year we look at that and if you take a look it's because i remember like two years ago bykovsky led the league in fewest or was last in the league in home runs and they had a great regular season too. So just another stat showing that home runs can be overrated. Do we know how many, where, where, where did Steinberg rank last year in home runs? Steinberg, I do think they ranked fifth. So, so they did rank towards the top. Okay. I think I looked and they did rank fifth, but if we're looking at top and bottom, uh, you know, that's a little surprising too, is that yeah. usually the teams with uh, the fewest home runs actually end up having 
a pretty good season. But the teams that have the highest runs scored are are most successful, obviously. Correct. Yeah. Right. So still, it goes to say that you need a deep lineup. But and in order to score runs in softball, it's not just about, you know, hitting the home runs. Mm-hmm. It's about, again, having a deep lineup and just having a bunch of guys can around, hit around 500. Well, speaking of home runs, I was looking at the all-time list, and I told you that Fradkin is the all-time leader. Uh, but fast approaching, if, you know, keeps up this pace the past couple of years, Jeremy Pastor is on such a home run tear. Do you realize that he has homered in his career once every six at-bats? I do notice. I have a, I have a spreadsheet up there that has like uh, extra base hits per at bat uh-huh. or at bat per extra base hits, and I, that jumped out with, with uh, Pastor. That jumped out at me because I was looking at the the home run numbers and I was figuring it out, and I was like, oh, you know, uh, Ed hits a home run every ten at bats, and he's got you know he, he leads the he is the career all time leader. Um, I'm twelfth by the way, and I missed two seasons, so. Uh, you know, and I, and, and I homer once every 16 at bats, which is not too shabby. But, and you know what, with, with union Hill, I think you, we're, we play more games on union Hill now than we used to, Yes, you know, with, with Sunday night games too. So, but let me, you know, that, but the no, pastor stat is mm-hmm. mind blowing one home run. Every six at bats is that's just crazy. <laughs> that's, that's unbelievable. That's crazy. Yeah. And yeah, we'll see how long it would take for him to uh, surpass uh, Fracken. It won't take long if he has like two or two, like two more seasons on pace of what he's been doing. And he's going to climb up the all time. He's already up on the all time list, but two or three more seasons of keeping pace and he will become the all time home run leader, surpassing Ed Fracken. Unless Ed, can, you know, has uh, a bounce back, you know, 10 home run season, something like that. Now, where in, and since we're getting the info on your line, where's Fracken going to bat in your lineup? High enough. How about that? I'm saying, are they going to walk in to get to you? Like, are you in back of him? Uh, yeah. Okay. So they're not going to walk for to get to you. I would hope not. Many times. Unless, no. Unless you, unless, hey, unless you want to, that's fine. He'll get his home runs. Listen, yeah. pick, 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 pick a fence at Union Hill. You want it to go over the right field fence or the left field fence? <laughs> oh, man. it's uh, <laughs> See, that's the thing, though. Like, your team, it, it's fun when you can play towards that. Like, you know you're a Union Hill team. And, like, I hear people, like, sometimes say, well, field choice is overrated. You know, top picks don't. No, field choice of- is absolutely not. Steinberg last year, the ability to select swim club. I think was a major reason why they won the championship because their strength was their middle infield and the biggest infield being swim club, allowing both Richie and Eric to have more field to work with helped Mm -hmm. them out tremendously. 1000%, 1000%. And I'll, and I'll say this is that like we shocked a lot of people. I think when we picked union Hill left against team fracking, yes, you know, like who's going to pick Union Hill left against Fracken and Yee? But there's a confidence factor. I mean, we just won on that field. We felt good on that field. And then to all of a sudden have to go to a completely different field that another captain's choosing, it it takes something out of the team. It does. Yeah, I absolutely think that, that, ha- that having the field choice matters. Uh, I, I'm still going on record as saying mm-hmm. winning your division should mean something. And there should be a reward for winning your division. Otherwise, why have divisions? Um, I agree. I think that, you know, you should. We sh- It used to be the top seeds only had to win once in that first round series. I wouldn't mind going back to that. Um, or just some way of having, you know, maybe maybe 
the division champ is home for all three games in in the first round. Something just there has to be a reward to winning your division. I like that idea about the home team being or the, the top seed being a home team all three games. I, I say that to Doug every every year. I say that that uh back when the top seed only had to win one game mm-hmm. first round, I I think that was a great rule. Uh you know, with the playing games, you have that team with momentum, they're feeling good about themselves. And uh the way it used to work is that the first round of the playoff, you always had the top seed playing a team that was like dead team walking you know they were about you know they were just awful you know awful during the year everyone's you know looking at life after softball uh but you don't have that this year you don't have that with the playing game because you know those teams are weeded out by the time you get to the real playoffs Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i i think something should be done for the top seed yeah and the other the other argument that i'll never win is um i think semifinals and finals should always be at union hill uh, <laughs> and it's not just for me. I'm just saying it's for the league. Everyone comes out and watches, and it's great. It's like our home base. Uh, the one Now, another one that I've always argued for as well, which I don't think would get done because I've heard that it's, you know, oh, well, guys have to work, and you can't guarantee that they're going to be there for games. I would play all game threes on Wednesday nights, and I would always start the next playoff series on Sunday. So if you if you have to go to a game three, you come back and you play Wednesday mm-hmm. night. I like that. I like. I mean, it goes towards that. You have to play on Union Hill. That's the problem. You have to. Then you'd have to play on Union Hill or Municipal, uh, and you would also run into a situation where, oh, guys work and they can't make a Wednesday night game. And at least during the regular season, you plan ahead for Wednesday night games. Now you're mm-hmm. finding out on Sunday that you have to play on Wednesday, and there's going to be scheduling mishaps. So I, I understand why. That's not going to happen, but that's one that I would love to see happen. I will say this. Now, while I disagree about all the games being played on Union Hill when it gets to the semifinals, uh, I actually like Union Hill, so I, I don't personally I don't mind it. But in 2011, we chose Union Hill right throughout the whole playoffs, and people were pissed off. People hated it. People didn't think it was fair that we could even choose Union Hill right. And I remember we had we had Jay-Z. And Jay-Z was like, MVP, was the MVP yeah. of that league. Mm-hmm. He was at the peak of his powers. And they intentionally walked Jay-Z every single time he was up. <laughs> I, and I feel like, it, and literally, it, and I think like they did it partly out of strategy, but other partly like out of spite. Yes. Like you shouldn't be on Union Hill right. Forget it. We're we're just walking you every time. I mean, look at like he he literally walked the first twenty six times That's he was wild. up in the playoffs. That's wild. It's crazy. So it's just funny to hear, you know, the argument being put forth that every game should be on Union Hill when it gets that level. When back in two thousand eleven, there were there were talks the following season. Should we ban Union Hill That's from the playoffs? Because people maybe got defense was the advantage, and people always bring up like the sun. It's too big of a mm-hmm. factor, you know, being a Sunfield. So it's just funny. Well, Mitch, this is great as always. Uh, I can't wait to do it multiple times throughout the season as we update the power rankings. Good luck in your opening uh, Sunday game, and we'll get you back on real soon. Thanks for having me. Good luck this season. Thank you.
So there you have it, the Pollock Power Rankings. Our guest, Mitch Pollock, who will rejoin me throughout the season on this podcast as we refresh the Power Rankings once we get a couple of games under our belt and then so on and so forth, all the way through the conclusion of the regular season. The anonymous mailbag is open. You guys can hit me up with some of your comments, questions. There was plenty of reaction to last week's anonymous mailbag submission. And no, I'm not going to unveil my source. I'm not going to tell you who it was, no matter how many times you ask or how many guesses you give. That's why it's called the anonymous mailbag. So send your submissions in. I'll be happy to read them on the next episode. Uh, We might get an episode in before opening day, but if not, we'll have an episode out after the week one Sunday games to break it all down, preview uh, maybe Wednesday night, and then of course the upcoming games for Sunday week two. Good luck, everyone. I hope we get to play on Sunday, weather permitting. I'd like to get that scrimmage in before the season. Uh, If not, I'll see you guys all on opening day next Sunday. Talk to you next time here on Marlboro Softball Talk.